You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, Colossians and uh, chapter number four. We're going to continue and try to wrap up Colossians tonight. Will uh, anybody want to guess where we're going to be next? Yeah, Thessalonians. That's right. Uh, have you ever studied Thessalonians before? We're going to be studying Thessalonians. It's good stuff, man. I'll tell you, there's some challenging uh, discipleship principles when you read about, uh, you can learn about how Paul discipled people, man, in 1 Thessalonians. It's pretty awesome, uh, chapter number 2. But for tonight, we are going to continue and try to complete this last section in the book of Colossians on shout-outs from the Apostle Paul, part 2. Uh, shout-outs from the Apostle Paul. Uh, a shout-out, we use that terminology in, in our modern-day vernacular, and it just means a short public acknowledgement of someone or something by name. It usually recognizes someone in appreciation of them uh, or something that they did. Many of the people that we're looking at tonight and we looked at last week were unsung heroes, people that you don't hear a whole lot about that made a, a big impact and helped change the world for the glory and honor of God Almighty. And the encouragement to me tonight, the application to us, is that whatever it is that God has you to do, it makes an impact. And it's, it's a, it, it may be a, smart, a small part of a bigger whole of something that God's doing, but it makes a difference. Paul is the one that people know and recognize, but he had all these people who were helping to make a difference. And I'm telling you, what you do matters, what you do makes a difference, uh, don't get discouraged if you feel like it's not much or if you feel like it's not recognized. I think we, as human nature, I think we all probably are like maybe to have be recognized for the things that we do. But oftentimes I think, especially as a, as a preacher, I believe I have many of my rewards on this side of eternity. Do you know that? Because uh, I get, uh, as a pastor, they say this about uh, uh, many different types of leadership positions. Uh, you know, it happens in sports, you know, the quarterback, the star player uh, you know, on a uh, basketball team. Uh, and then sometimes the pastor, when things are going well, the pastor gets too much credit. When things aren't going well, the pastor probably gets too much blame. And you just, but that's just the way you go. You just live with it. But I may get too much credit and I get praised and I get recognized. Oh, wow. And so, you know what? A lot of my praise and a lot of my reward is now. But for you that maybe not get recognized as much, I'm telling you, you're going to have a greater reward in heaven and so but he's shouting out he's recognized people uh that aren't uh well known and uh we we think about for instance we talked about the people who carried the word we talked about a couple of those last week how that uh the ones who carried ephesians and colossians and the book of philemon actually carried the word of god that we have today uh god used those people so he recognizes the people for courage and noble service, honored commitment. Uh, and I'm telling you, God, God keeps a record. Believe it or not, God is keeping a record today. He's a very, uh, unlike me and more like some of you that I know, he's a very good record keeper. And God keeps a record of the things that you do and the things that may go unrecognized by others. And, and I, I, I mentioned this the other week. But I really believe this with all my heart. I believe, Anna, 
If when I'm leaving my row tonight at church and if I see a piece of paper or something on the floor, I really believe if I pick that up with a good motive for the glory of God, God sees that. And God blesses that. And I don't believe that it has to be something big. Now, if I do it being like, <clears throat> oh, it looks like there's a piece of paper on the floor. I, I'm going to pick it up, everybody. Well, then I have my reward right there, right? Uh, but but I'm, just from the smallest thing, it really, really matters. So there's some serious encouragement and admonition found in these shout-outs of the Apostle Paul. Last week, we, looked, we began looking at Tychicus, verses 7 and 8. We'll just read those quickly where he says, All my states shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. And so Tychicus is the man that it's believed, who carried the book of Ephesians as well as the book of Colossians from Rome to Asia Minor, to modern-day Turkey. He carried the Word of God. Uh, and so we saw Tychicus. He, he was a friend. He was a fellow servant. Then not only that, but we also see in verse number 9 with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Onesimus was carrying the letter of Philemon. And he was, a, he was a slave, a runaway slave, who was returning back to Philemon. And then we also looked at the fearless. We looked at the fugitive Onesimus, the fearless uh, uh, Aristarchus. The fearless Aristarchus. He was with Paul in many of the dramatic things that we read about in the book of Acts. He was there during the shipwreck with the apostle Paul. He was there during the, the, the riot during, uh, in Ephesus. He was nearly killed in that riot. And then now, uh, Aristarchus is actually a prisoner locked up with Paul also. But the fearless uh, Aristarchus. And then last week, we closed by giving a little uh, preview of the next man. Uh, verse number 10. The Bible says, uh, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandment, if he come unto you, receive him. Now, if you would please, turn over with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 15. Acts, chapter number 15. I want you to see these verses. This is an unfortunate event in the church, but I'm glad that God recorded it because it's not an uncommon thing to happen in a church and among uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. In Acts chapter number 15, we read about this Marcus. All right? Acts 15, or night, I'm sorry, yeah, Acts 15, verse 36. All right, and here's what the Bible says. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, now Barnabas, let me just back up here. Barnabas, number one, anybody remember what his nickname was? Great nickname. Barney. His other, that was, uh, yes, you get a point. Uh, his other nickname was uh, the son of consolation. He was an encourager, this guy, Barnabas. Man, he was just, he was a super positive guy. But he and Paul, they were, they were uh, right, right hand, left hand. They were working together, spreading the gospel. Man, they are going around. They're on a missionary trip. They're, uh, le they're leading people to Christ. They're helping found churches. These guys are just uh, tight, working together. 
So, and after some days, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the words. In other words, we're going on another missionary journey. Let's go and see how they do. Verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. And we believe this to be the same Marcus, Mark of Colossians. So Barnabas says, hey, that's great. Let's go. Uh, I'll get Mark. And uh, But Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them from Pamphylii and went not with them to the work. So in other words, on the previous missionary journey, Barnabas had brought Mark. But apparently, Mark started missing Mama. And things started getting hard for Mark, and Mark said, I'm going home. I'm leaving. I'm not following through on this trip. So whenever Barnabas is like, hey, uh, we're, we're going on another trip. I'll get Mark. He'll come with us again. And Paul's like, uh, no, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's uh, the, the, the billboard on 29 going south? Don't, don't, don't much like quitters, son. Ain't no quitter coming with me. I don't got time for that kid. Sorry. He quit. He's not coming with me. Barnabas says, well, Paul, that's not the right spirit to have. He, he, he's got things right. He's proved himself. He's really wanting to come with us again. And Paul's like, don't care. No confidence. And, and I'm reading into this. You can tell the Bible doesn't say all this. But we know one thing. The Bible says the contention was sharp. These guys had a falling out. Now, that's a sad thing to happen among brethren. It really is. Um, now, one thing I will say that they did right in this. Listen to me closely. I don't know how many times I preach this. I preach it a lot because it's really, really important. Uh, one thing they did right is they didn't have this conversation and then Barnabas go around and start telling everybody, hey, Paul doesn't like Mark. Somebody should talk to him. He didn't do that. He, see, Jesus said, if you've got a problem with somebody, talk to that person. That's something they did right. But I don't know, it's hard to say that something was done wrong, and I don't want to be too quick to judge, but when it comes to the Apostle Paul, time proved that Barnabas was right and Paul was wrong about Mark. But who knows? Maybe it, was, it could have been uh, part of Paul's attitude that helped Mark say, by golly, I'll show him, I don't know. Uh, we don't know. But I do know one thing, the Bible records that two really close, I mean, I'm talking about brothers in battle. These guys, I'm talking about, they had, got, they had been through serious hard times, persecution, uh, going without food, sleeping by the side of the road. I mean, these dudes had been, I mean, just thicker than thieves, Paul and Barnabas. But now, Mark, uh, but because of Mark, they separate. And so we can continue to read there. He left the work, verse 39 again. The, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder. Man, those are strong words too. They just broke off from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and um, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, 
I want to be careful there not to read a whole lot into that, just about what I've seen, but I do know that there was some things that, it's unfortunate that there was this falling out. Um, now, but here's the cool thing. That's how strong part that uh, Paul felt about Mark back in those times. And you can know that this, since it's recorded in the book of Acts, people knew about, people knew that at one time Paul had zero confidence in Mark. But here's the cool thing. If we put this together right, that Mark who quit, listen to me closely, that Mark who quit, that Mark who did not see, see things through, uh, that same Mark, that Barnabas, man, thank God for a Barnabas. Because one thing you will find about Barnabas, he was always finding somebody down and out. He was finding somebody that other people didn't want anything to do with, and he was taking them under his arm and under his wing. That's what Barnabas did. And so by the time we get back to Colossians where we're reading, guess what, Paul, I, and I can imagine with joy, perhaps, somebody shared with Paul and said, Paul, I got something for you. You've got to see this. You remember Mark? You remember that guy that you didn't want to go with you? You remember that guy that quit on you? Whatever it may be, you've got to look at this. And what was it? But it was the gospel of Mark. I want you to see how God has used Mark now. And Mark's a faithful brother. But it's interesting because in the text in Colossians, he says specifically, hey, you need to receive him. I want, to, I want to go on record as to say, when Mark comes, y'all receive him. When Mark shows up, don't say, oh, well, we know kind of about this guy, and we know that Paul didn't like him. He said, no, you need to receive him. So Paul, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not going to swear that his attitude toward Mark was wrong to start with, but I do believe that Barnabas's was right, and I believe that eventually, one way or the other, it's cool that Paul is embracing Mark here at the end. Because there's another thing that's right about that. Don't be so stubborn. If you did fall out with somebody, man, get it right. And I will just, and I guess it's important to say that. Um, we may not all uh, have the same interests. I'll tell you one thing, though. As God's people, if we're walking in the Spirit, the main interest we do have in common. And, and I'm telling you, if, if you, and, and I say this to the teens, I say it to everybody every age, if, if I'm walking in the Spirit, as, and, and I could say this, uh, as a, I, I can remember as a teenager, I wasn't always walking in the Spirit, but I remember when I was walking in the Spirit as a teenager, I was cool hanging out with the 70-year-something dude in the church because we had something big time in common. We did not play horse. We did not play 21. Uh, you know, uh, we didn't go hang out at the mall. But I'll tell you one thing we did do. We went out and passed out gospel tracts together. He told me stuff about the Bible. He told me things about how to walk closer with Jesus because that was more important. Uh, those other things mattered to me, but not as much as that. And, but when things arise between brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, get it right and here's one one of the big reasons why in the book of second corinthians and maybe you can help me with this uh because i didn't i wasn't planning on saying all this but uh i think about what paul said with the we, we believe it's the brother that the church had to discipline because of his adultery that at one time they were celebrating and his fornication uh well now the bible says they were being unforgiven toward him 
And he was basically saying, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if I'm not mistaken. But they, he says, man, forgive the dude. Welcome the dude back in. Love the guy. And here's what he says, though. Lest Satan, and here's the verse if you want to help me look it up. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Does it matter if me and Shane have a little falling out? Don't want to speak anymore? Does it matter? Yes. You know why? Because Satan can get an advantage. Can anybody say amen to the fact that God has done and is doing a work at Elk Point Baptist Church? You want to know something? Satan, anybody ever had rodents get in your house? Snakes get in your house? It don't take much. For those suckers to get in little holes little it don't take much and i'm telling you satan is looking for little holes and he's looking for little spaces to get in and you better believe something god is trying to help us be aware that satan can use me to get into this church he can get you use you to get into this church and one of the biggest ways is interpersonal uh, problems. So therefore, it's important that if something's going on between me and Shane, I'm not going to go to Richard and say, Richard, I need to tell you about how Shane's been acting lately. What's Richard got to do with it? I need to go to Shane. Number one, here's where I go first. You mark... here. If, if, if I'm having an issue here, first place I go is to the Lord. I go to the Lord because a lot of times that honestly solves it. Uh, really, it, it, that, because maybe it really wasn't anything. Maybe I felt like Shane said something I didn't appreciate, did, did something I didn't appreciate, but maybe I pray about it. God works in my heart, and I was like, you know what? Not a big deal. Shane was probably just having a bad day if he ever had those. Shane was probably just having a bad day. It's all right. But maybe I do pray about it, but it's still kind of getting me a little bit. That's when I go and I say, brother, I need to talk to you, man. You know why? Because, I, number one, I love you. I love the Lord. I love this church. And I don't want to be the one that Satan get, uses to get into this thing. So, uh, so we're going to get this thing right. All right? We're going to work this thing out. Uh, man, I felt like you, you, you did something the other day that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So we're getting this right right now, Shane. I'm just picking, I promise. Uh, me, me and Shane's good, and he hadn't done anything to offend me. But, uh, but, but I'm just saying, we're going to get this. Can we, can we work this out? And you know what happens most of the time, especially if you have two people that are sincere? You work it out. You work it out. Otherwise, Satan loves getting in behind the scenes and working. Uh, so there, it happens. You know what's going to happen I am going to do something to offend you, more than likely. <laughs> I am going to do something to hurt your feelings. I can't tell you the time. I do not consider myself a jerk. Matter of fact, I pride myself on not being a jerk. But there's times that Melanie will, I'll say something to somebody, and then Melanie will be like, what was that? I'm like, what are you talking about? I just told him, you know, I told him whatever. She's like, dude, you kind of came across like a jerk there. So I'm going to, that's going to happen. And guess what? It's probably going to happen between you and me. Sometimes, sometimes it's absolutely nothing. Sometimes 
you know, and, and I tell you, as a pastor, and, and I feel funny but saying this because I don't feel that old, uh, but I've been pastoring for uh, 20 years, pretty, pretty near, right? Uh, and, and, and through those years of pastoring, I have had to deal with problems with people. Whether it's between me and that person or, or, or sitting down with two other people trying to mediate and help them, them get things worked out. And I can't tell you the times that it's like, oh, well, you did. There's assumptions made. You know, again, we're just going to keep on with the problem. Me and, me, me and Shane are going to work out our problems right here in front of everybody. Uh, we're not. I promise you I'm kidding. But just I'm going to keep using Shane. Shane comes in again. Uh, Shane comes in. He's glad to see me. Uh, you know, man, we have something that we were going to talk about, but, but, uh, but I don't give Shane the time of day. Uh, he goes to shake my hand. And by the way, listen to this. Usually if you shake somebody's hands, young people, old people alike, look them in the eyeballs, squeeze the hand, look them in the eyeballs when you shake them in the hand. But maybe I'm distracted and I look at, and, and he shakes my hand. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. And then I go talking to somebody else because I can be a little squirrely sometimes, you know. Um, and then Shane's like, huh. That was kind of weird. Uh, and then, then Shane starts thinking, you know what? I bet it's I, I bet he didn't shake my I, did, I bet he didn't want to talk to me because then he has just something he thinks of that's probably a reason that we didn't want to talk. You've, some of you have heard me say this before, but just bear with me. I'm telling you the things that I've seen happen. Okay? So then Shane leaves here and he's like, you know, I bet Jesse's thinking this or that about me. And thinking some, some negative thing, whatever the case may be. So then the next service, Shane comes in, and this time I'm less distracted. I don't have as much on my mind. And I'm like, oh, cool, there's Shane. What's up, buddy? But I could go talk to him. And all of a sudden I can already tell, he's acting weird, man, just acting funny. And I'm like, oh, hey, man. Now he's acting funny, so guess what that makes me do? Makes me act a little funny. And now I start wondering, huh, wonder what Shane's deal is. Next service, both of us are acting a little bit funny. And all this time, we're starting to make assumptions why each other's acting funny. And before long, I mean, we don't like each other's mamas and grandmas. Uh, I want to kill his dog. I mean, this is just, this is what he's thinking. I mean, it's just, it blows up. And before long, my problem, and so then, then literally, I've sat and talked with people, and they're like, well, you said this. I'm like, wait, when did I ever say that? Well, you didn't actually say that, but you said this. Okay, well, this is not that. Well, I just assumed if you said that, you must have meant this, this, and this, and this, and this. And so what they were mad about, and it just comes down to, oh, it all comes down to that one day that I was just super distracted, had a bad day, whatever it was, I acted weird. And what I'm just simply trying to tell you is, you know, I, I, I quoted Barney Fife, I think, on Sunday about nipping it in the bud. And, man, if you've got problems with somebody, number one, pray about it. Number two, go to that person. Work it out. Work it out. Uh, and if you need to get right with somebody, get right with somebody. And somebody be the big person. I can remember this precious lady. Man, she was precious, but, boy, she was stubborn. And she was kind of one of them that was always right, you know. Uh, this was back at another church. And that she, she, sweet, sweet lady. Um, you know, but she had a real problem with this lady in the church. And she was just really frustrated with her. And I'm like, I said, you need to get that right. And so here's how she went and got it right. I just got to come and I, I need to come apologize to you 
and then just started listing all the things that woman is wrong about and how dumb these things are. It's almost like coming and saying, I'm sorry that I got offended that you're such an idiot. And I just want to get things right with you. Oh, well, thank you. You're so humble and gracious. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Is it more important? Is your pride and being right more important? Or is the work of God more important? You know, are our souls more important? Is the brothers and sisters more important? So, but we see the forgiven Marcus here. These guys worked it out. Now, it's pretty cool to think about this. Now, Mark and Paul stand together reconciled in Christ. I'm glad that God can make, uh, that God made certain to record the unpleasant episode because it's one that we can all learn from. We have problems sometimes, all right, uh, with each other. And again, things don't always maybe need to be, be brought up, but sometimes they do. And if it is, we need to be willing to talk to one another and be humble enough. And I often say it this way, somebody has to be the grown-up. Now, I may be saying that between two 70-year-olds, but somebody has to be the grown-up. Somebody has to be willing to be the person to say, my bad, my bad. Um, all right, so we see the forgiven Marcus. I think that's pretty cool that now these two men are working side by side, and I'm thankful for people that I've had discussions with through the years that we've been able to continue to work side by side. All right, now, the next one is the friendly, the friendly justice, the forgiven Marcus, the friendly justice. Verse number 11, we said, that don't sound very important. The Bible says, and Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. So there he's talking about Marcus and justice being of the circumcision. But here's the cool thing. He just simply says about justice, these only are my fellow workers of the kingdom of God and have been a comfort unto me. This is pretty cool. So Mark and Justice, two converted Jews, are standing shoulder to shoulder with Paul as his firmest friends. Now listen to this, friends to comfort. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about Paul. We're talking about the guy that we know, but we're taken for granted if we're not careful. Just the dude that was friendly to him. Just somebody that was a blessing, that was a comfort to him. Justice was just friendly. How much does it cost to be friendly? How much does it cost to be nice and generous and uh, nothing? Just be nice. Just be caring about someone. But it went a long way. Justice was a comfort to him. This is pretty cool right here. The Greek for comfort right there was a common medical term. Uh, but this is the only time that it's used in the entire New Testament. Our English word, paragoric, I don't know if I'm saying that, pronouncing that right, paragoric comes from uh, this word that's used for comfort. Paragoric is a soothing drug. Uh, paragoric uh, drugs belongs to a class of drugs known as opioid pain relievers and is a Schedule three narcotic. We've got anesthesiologists here. Am I right, Doria? Paragoric? You're going to, a paragoric? Yeah, the, uh, the uh, well, I have some agreement with you. Not the anesthesiologist, but that's fine. I'll go with y'all instead. Uh, 
But basically, uh, this is a, uh, uh, but it's a pain reliever. And, and here's the cool, it's a soothing, and, and that's what we call paragoric, that's what it is now. But it, in the Greek use, it was also medical, but the idea was it was a soothing uh, bomb. It was, a, it was a medicine. And so think about it. Paul's saying, this guy's been a comfort to me. This guy, I was hurting. I was hurting, but this guy gave me some comfort. He was like a medicine to me. It, it's it's kind of like, like the Good Samaritan, you know, when he found the man that was beat up by the side of the road, the Bible says he poured in oil and, and, and balm and, and took care of his wounds. It was a paragoric. It was a comfort to him. And so, man, isn't it a blessing to have friends? And listen, uh, 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 we, we, uh, we ought to be friends that love at all times, amen, like the Bible says. We ought to be friends that aren't just fair-weather friends. We ought to be friends even when things are hard. Even when others, you know, that you've heard some of that terminology. I preached about it not too long ago, how that, 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 that some people say that a friend, a friend is someone when everybody else is running out, they're the one running in. A friend isn't just somebody that's there during the good times but the bad times, and that's what justice was. Again, justice is actually a pretty cool name that we hear from time to time. Uh, Ralph has a son, Justice. It's a cool name. So we, we do are familiar with that name, but I don't know how familiar we are with the Bible man, the Bible character of Justice. What did he do? What was the great thing he did? Oh, he was just a comfort. He was just a friend. Uh, you say, well, that don't sound like much, but, I, but just think about it. I wonder, I wonder what would it have been like if Paul didn't have somebody to come there and give some comfort to his hurting soul, to his broken heart. It made a difference. Justice made a difference by being a friend. You can make a difference by being a friend. So the uh, Bible says in Proverbs 15, 23, a man, uh, a man hath uh, by the good answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. That's the kind of man justice was. All right, let's look not only at the forgiven Marcus, the friendly justice, but also the fervent uh, Epaphras. The fervent Epaphras. Look at verse 12. The Bible says Epaphras is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. All right? So first of all, we see that he had fervor. He, he had some practical fervor because this man, there was trouble in Colossae. These false teachers were in, beginning to have influence in the church at Colossae there were some faithful people in Colossae that said, we need, we need help. We can't handle it. Somebody needs to go. Somebody needs to get some help. Epaphras said, I'll go. He was a volunteer, amen. He, he said, I'll go. He volunteered to go into, to, can you imagine that? He's going into Rome. He's making this long journey down into Rome. It's a dangerous journey in any of itself. But then he comes there. Remember, Nero is the emperor at this time. And so with spies everywhere, and he's a super paranoid dude by this time. But and Epaphras is like, hey, I'm here. I'm trying to find a, one, of the, one of the biggest prisoners of Nero. I'm trying to find a man on death row. Why, are you friends with this guy? Yes, I need to meet this guy. I need to see this guy, Epaphras. He was somebody. He went to be a blessing. He went to get the help. But he was also fervent in prayer. He was practically uh, fervent, but he was also prayerfully fervent. The Bible says he was always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Man, what a statement that is. This guy, 
fervently laboring in prayer. Fervently. I tell you what's going to really make a difference in our lives, in this church, in this world, is fervent prayer. By the grace of God, man, I, I, I want to have things together, man. We're working, you know, on the design team, uh, you know, things that we want to do uh, with the church, and we want to be welcoming, inviting, and I want people when they come in to be, to be greeted with a, with a smiling face, and, and I want to have our stuff together. I mean, I, the, I want the music to be together, the classes to be together, just everything, just working you know, effort to make everything just the best as we can. But I'm telling you, without prayer. Amen. It reminds me of the song, Brethren, We Have Met to Worship. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And I'm telling you, we've got to fervently pray, fiery, I mean, heartfelt, dug in, understanding our need and, and the need of those around us, those that are lost and blinded by Satan. We've got to fervently pray fervently call out people's names to God fervently pray and that's what this man did Epaphras was a fervent man fervent in his practical service fervent in his prayer but now this is interesting we find out in Philemon why because did you get this Epaphras is the one who left Colossae went to Rome now, Tychicus and uh, Onesimus, Mark's going to be coming, Justice is going to be coming, but this guy, he says, uh, Epaphras salutes you. In other words, he didn't come back. He didn't come back home. And in Philemon, we find out why he didn't come home. We don't have much detail of what happened, but in Philemon chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, there salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Think about that. It cost him. Epaphras went, but he didn't come back. He was arrested. And now he's a prisoner with Paul. And it reminded me of a story. And some of you perhaps saw the movie uh, that I forget the title of now, but you'll help me with it before I'm done. In the winter of 1952, Bernie Weber of the Chatham Coast Guard Station near Cape Cod, he took a small motor lifeboat into very stormy seas and rescued 32 sailors who were given up for dead. It was considered a suicide mission. The story goes that Bernie was warned. He, he said, there's guys out there. We, we, it is our responsibility in the Coast Guard. We've got to go make an effort to save these guys. Was, was it the finest hours? Is that what it was? Uh, we, we've got to make an effort to go save these guys. And they're like, um, yeah, that's all well and good, but you'll not, you're not coming back. If you get across the bar, you're not coming back. But I love what it's reported that he said. Sir, we don't have to come back, but we do have to go. I, we, 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 haven't, we didn't swear, we didn't take an oath to come back, but we did take an oath to go. Ain't that good? I'm telling you, by the grace of God, as God's people, we've got a command to go. Somebody says, you might not come back. Well, he didn't tell us we had to come back. He just told us we had to go. Man, you think about uh, missionaries. You think about Elliot that went and was killed right away. He didn't have to come back. He just had to go. And, of course, his wife ended up going there and, and leading many to Christ. 
Um, you don't have to come back, but you do have to go. And, uh, and, and that's become the, the Coast Guard's unofficial motto. You don't have to go out, but, or you don't have to, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. And so without excuse or hesitation, these men went out. So we see, sorry, I'm just pausing because I, I, I took a moment to look at the time. We look at the fervent Epaphras. Um, I want to look quickly at the famous Luke, the famous Luke, because this is the Luke that you've all known and heard of. Look at verse, four, verse 14 with me quickly. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now, you ever think about this? What would it have been like if Paul didn't have justice there just to be a comfort to him? just to be emotionally a medicine to him. But listen to this. Paul also had a physician there to minister to him. You know, that can mess up a lot of people's theology. The people that think that if you're a person like Paul, that if you have enough faith and if you're serving God, that you'll always be healthy, wealthy, and not ever have any problems. Here you've got the greatest man of faith of all time, number one, locked up in prison without a change of clothes, uh, presumably. I mean, living in a pretty rough situation and having a doctor there helping him out. <laughs> That's pretty funny, isn't it? Me it is, I'm sorry. But it's cool, he's got a physician, Luke, the beloved physician. You say, well, it doesn't, does the Bible really teach that uh, Luke was treating him? I honestly can't find that anywhere. But it is interesting that he describes him that his number one companion, his closest friend all this time, he describes as a physician. He didn't say he was a quack job or something like that. This man was a physician. By the way, it's believed that these two men, Paul and Luke, uh, attended the same, uh, 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 co the same or college in the same area and may have known each other all the way back from college days. But he was the healer. Um, but not only that, he was a helper. He was very dear friends with Paul through thick and thin. He was also a... Um, a historian. Man, uh, I want to just give you this one quickly. Are we doing a part three? I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop and just kind of give you this one. Notice the next guy that he mentions here. It's a little interesting. Verse 14, he says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now, that's all he said, just Demas greet you. I want to give you the three references found about Demas. We read about Demas in Philemon 1.24, where Paul just simply says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. My fellow laborers. This time he doesn't describe Demas as a fellow laborer. He describes Demas just as Demas. The next time he's mentioned is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. So we learn a great lesson, an encouraging lesson from most of these guys, but this is kind of more of a message of warning. Man, I know that we read, you know, we're looking at these verses, and that's like, it's, it's literally ancient history to us, right? We're talking about guys that lived 2,000 years ago nearly uh, i mean this is really old stuff and we, we 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 sometimes have a hard time thinking about the modern day application but just think about this the time that they lived was the time that they lived and so for demas things just got to where demas started looking at the cares of this life it doesn't tell us that demas got caught up in false doctrine 
It just said that Demas started loving the things of this world. He, 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 this present world, he forsook Paul, he forsook church, he forsook the ministry for worldly things. I don't know what those things were necessarily, but it doesn't say that he went off into immorality, that he was a fornicator and adulterer. He just loved this present world. And I'm telling you, there's just a great thing to think about right there Demas, there's a progression. I'm ending with this. And let's all stand. I'll ask Barb to come and we'll close. Thank you for your patience. I saw what time I started and been like, man, I'm going to let these people go like 10 to 8 tonight. But I didn't. Um, but, I, but I just think about Demas. There's a progression. There's a Demas, my fellow laborer. How many people through the years, and, and you may share some of these as well, but how many people through the years could I look at as a fellow laborer, man? That's my brother. That's my sister, man. Oh, they got saved. They're on fire for God. They're working for the Lord. What do you think about old Demas? Old man Demas, he's just, man, he's, he's just on fire. He's doing great. A little while later, somebody says, uh, oh, uh, who's that over there? Oh, that, that's... Uh, that's that's Demas. That's Demas. I can't I can't don't have really a lot I can say about him. He's not really doing much right now. He's here. Thankful that he's here. But some of the fire has died, and you can begin to play, Barb. Some of that fire has died out. He's not as fired up as he wants you to be. He's here, Demas. But then the next time you read, Demas has forsaken me. He slowly but surely slid out of church. Slowly but surely, he began to regress and fall in love with this world. Man, we all have the potential of being a Demas tonight. We all do. So it's important that we guard ourselves, amen. And we'll, we'll talk more about that next time because I got there's some really important things to look at in the rest of this chapter. But uh, we really need to guard against that. But hey, Think about these people. Think about Mark. Think about the forgiven Mark. Aren't you glad that we've been forgiven? Aren't you glad that you've forgiven people that's wronged you? Aren't you glad that people have forgiven you that you have wronged? Sometimes we wrong people unintentionally. I keep a calendar and I put stuff in my calendar and I try to set reminders. Uh, but I'm still pretty worthless sometimes even with that. And I promise you, it's not that I don't care. It's that I really forget. And it's that my reminder goes off and I, whatever happens, excuses, excuses, right? But you know what? I can hurt you that way. I can hurt you that way. And uh, I need you to forgive me. I mean, because I'm trying to make some excuses about the calendar in my mind and not remembering and whatever. But uh, I still need you to forgive me. I'm glad you forgive me. And maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Oh, I've got a problem with Shane. I'm going to go talk to Richard. Nope. i got a problem with Shane. I'm going to go talk to Shane. We'll talk later, Shane. Uh, but the forgiven Marcus, the friend, man, you know what? If you can't do anything else, be a friend. Be a friendly face. Love somebody. You know what I like about that? Jesus is our friend, but I like this. I like the fact that Jesus is our friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
But I like the fact that he's also a friend of sinners. You know you can be a friend of sinners? I want to be a friend to people who, whose lives are in a mess and have no hope because they believe leftist ideology and, and false religion. I want to be a friend to that person. I want to be a friend to them. I want to be a bomb. I want to be a comfort to them. I want to try to win them to Jesus. Amen? Listen, God can use the smallest things and the smallest people just like he's using me and he's using you. These altars are open if you need to use them tonight. Can I challenge you? Search your heart and your life today. That, that song cleanse me. Search me, oh God. Matter of fact, uh, Ryan, could you come up and lead us in that? I'm going I'm to, I don't want Kurt to come and use his throat, but. What's that page number, Barb? You know it? 534, and, uh, and I'm just going to let you use your, your voice, and I'm going because I'm going to keep using the mic, because as, as, as Ryan leads us, listen, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you, I, you can sing along if you want to, but really, I want this to be more of an invitation time. I want to give you time tonight, and I want to give you an opportunity to pray. Y'all can start whenever. I want to give you an opportunity to pray tonight. Listen to these words. That's all I'm asking you to pray tonight. Will you pray that? And know my heart today. Try me, oh Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. See.
dismissing but I just that that last phrase I just hope we could pray this as we leave and dismiss here tonight that that part where it says take all my will my passion self and pride I now surrender Lord and me abide you know the only way the Lord will ever take your will if you give it to him he will not force you he will not force you we've got to be willing to say Lord here am I What's that third stanza of at the cross? Lord, here am I. I give, I, give, I give myself to Thee. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your love and grace, dear Lord. And God, there's a lot of encouragement we can find from these men. Uh, and God, there's some admonition in there too, dear Lord. Things that we got to watch for. Thank you, Lord, and just help us to continue to make a difference for you. We love you. Help us to be on guard and be humble. Keep our hearts right. Do things right. We'll love you, and we'll thank you for all that you do, Lord, for it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God.